Welcome to our After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership. Our podcast is here to help teachers and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. If you work in education and looking to improve or develop your skills, then this podcast is here to help you. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Georgie, Director of Learning and Development for the Classroom Partnership, and we're joined again today by John Bull, who's CEO and founder of the Dog, Duck and Cat Trust. John has been the manager of a young person's drug and alcohol service since 2008 and is also a British Association of Counselling and Psychotherapy registered counsellor with experience of delivering targeted work and services to young people and also a qualified protective behaviours trainer. So I don't know how you find time to do this, John. The Dog, Duck and Cat Trust aim to provide stories and resources from schools and parents to support their children to learn about staying safe in a way that is fun and age appropriate in their day to day lives and in their local community. It's great to have you back again, John. Welcome. And uh, in last week's podcast, we introduced uh, DDC for short. Um, And during that session, we mentioned your next project. And I think um, this is focusing on young people's education around equality, responsibility and friendship. And we're referring to that as the ERF project. Are you able to share us a bit more about what the project's about? Yeah. um, Thanks very much for inviting me back. Really nice to speak to you again, Georgie. We started to have conversations with our school partners And it was school partners to start off with in the early part of kind of 2021. It was around about the start of the spring term. So it was around about kind of just around the sort of January, February time. And what they were saying was, was that there was a growing kind of like, you know, swathe of opinion that young people were experiencing all kinds of issues, certainly at secondary level with things like sexual violence, sexual harassment and stuff like this. And it wasn't necessarily always going on in schools. I don't want this to be painted out as though this is some terrible, terrible thing that's only occurring in schools. This was occurring to young people in every facet of their life, whether that be face to face, online or wherever else. And then um, Ofsted came out with some information. Essentially to say that, well, yeah, they're, they're recognising this as well. They, they can see this is an issue. They can see this is something that is now affecting our children and that schools, providers, practitioners need to do something about this. We at Dog, Duck and Cat, we work with those aged 0 to 9 years of age. So we started talking to our audience, started talking to the children, started talking to the adults and had that conversation with them about, is this something that's affecting you at this age? And what we found was, is that while sexual violence, thankfully, didn't seem to be an issue that was affecting our lower key stage two children. The kind of stories that were coming out was, is that the starting of the misogynistic language was occurring. The idea that boys are this and girls are that was very much becoming kind of cemented around that sort of age range. It wasn't really from, from the, the feedback that we were getting kind of hitting reception year one, but year two, those kind of conversations were having by year three that kind of gathered that bit of steam. So what we wanted to do was try and put a resource together to aim at that age range. We then spoke to our partners and colleagues over at West Midlands Police who were also recognising misogyny as an issue. Um, Certainly, much, 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 much further down the line, misogyny is being linked with the rise of the far right, rise of extremism, the rise of the incel movement, and all of the issues that then come along with those, including some tragedies that have occurred over the kind of last 12, 
24 months. So this was something that they felt very strongly about as well. So we, we put a bid in and we said that we wanted to do a joint bid with the police. And thankfully, we were, we were successful in getting that funding. So we then developed what is now the Equality, Responsibility and Friendship Project. But the reason why it's equality, responsibility and friendship is that when I originally wrote the kind of equality work, which was the first three lessons, we put some stuff around responsibility in there. But Georgie, to be perfectly honest with you, it was the most depressing thing I've ever put together in my life. It just it wasn't a happy subject. It wasn't a happy kind of thing to do. And there was there was no way I could really feel I, there was no way I felt as though I could really end this on a, on, a, on a positive note. So what we did was is that we actually included friendship as part of this. This was um, a, a call to arms, essentially, again, from from colleagues out there to say that children had been affected quite dramatically by COVID. They were they were struggling to make friends. They'd lost some of those skills that they had. So we're currently developing a resource around making friends for our kind of four and unders market. But we started looking and saying, well, hang on a second, if we're going to say that we're all equal, which we are, if we're going to say that we, we can be friends with anybody, whether that if they're male or female or whatever gender pronoun that they prefer to be known by, then why aren't we turning around and saying that if we know this, that we can't be friends with these people? So why don't we actually look to end this equality and responsibility with the notion of now we've got this new knowledge, let's make some new friends as well. So actually some of our more marginalised children, some of our children that may well have only ever thought that people that look like them and sound like them can be their friends might go, well, let me know, do you know what, actually I could try and go and make friends with them instead. So actually start to address some of that loneliness that often occurs with some of the children that we're working with because they are isolated, they are insular, and they aren't quite sure how to reach out and make those friends. Yeah, I think uh, that's the key message, isn't it, really, is actually turning things around and actually being a much more open community and culture if we if we can, if nothing else. And um, just look, looking at the, the some of the outcomes that are listed under the ERF project, you're looking to sort of uh, for the children to understand the importance of trust in a friendship, be able to develop empathy in a friendship, uh, explore some of the qualities of being a good friend, understand some of the boundaries, which I think are also really important. And also the key messages around children always telling an adult they know they can trust if they're worried or scared. So we're back to that kind of open conversation and dialogue. And and. As adults, we naturally want to protect our children from these situations and topics. And, and I, there's a lot of research indicating that that isn't always the best approach. How important is it that we start to educate our children at an earlier age about these issues? To be perfectly frank with you, Georgia, I think it's absolutely vital. Um, from the work that I've been doing now, and I've, I've been working with children now since the latter 1990s, which feels like forever ago in all fairness. but. Again, the, the concept then of talking to children, um, certainly under secondary school age, about any kind of issue based working, is almost an alien concept. You'd almost be run out of town if you suggested it. From my experiences of, of working with children in certainly year six, that they've got a lot of knowledge. They, they pick up an awful lot now from the Internet, from you know the online world in general, from older peers. And they are having conversations now and being and, and talking about kind of behaviours that certainly a, a primary school age child 10 years ago would not have, have been kind of coming forwards with and not have been talking about. So my feeling is, is that if we as adults, if we as professionals, if we as those that care, don't tell our children the truth, 
don't have these conversations with them, then somebody else is going to or a child is going to get some knowledge from somewhere else. And that source might not be reliable, might not be accurate and actually might start to shape the way that they think. And that direction would not be a positive one for them, might not be a positive one for people that know them and people that, that, that will come into their kind of contact, their orbit as time goes by. So the idea is, is that here what we're saying is, is that we're not trying to be contentious. We don't want to talk about sexual violence. I don't think the word sex is mentioned once. We don't talk about the word violence. What we talk about is how would we want to be treated? How would we want to treat somebody else? Why on earth in 2022 am I going to think that because I'm a man and Georgie, you're a female, that I can do things that you can't do or vice versa? It's insane. I have a, a real passion for the for the Olympic athlete Nicola Adams. Um, I think she's absolutely amazing when you hear her speak. I just I just think she's wonderful. I find her incredibly uplifting. She's a British female boxer. Something again that I don't think when I was a child would have even been considered. It would have been run out again. The idea of this would have not been. She's an absolute inspiration now. And she, I've got to be honest with you, is often a, a kind of her words and her face goes through my mind whenever I'm looking about the way the world is in 2022. It's changed dramatically. So as I say, my feeling is, is that if we aren't having these conversations with our children, our children that are accessing a lot of this stuff, whether we know about it or like it or not, online and with peers, even if we aren't allowing our children to access stuff, there might be another family that are allowing their children and that child is speaking to ours. Somebody else is going to get in there first. Let's get those positive messages, get that truthful message in there so that our children can then make decisions based on informed choices, not on essentially information that's been gathered from various different sources that just is, well, is inaccurate, just as, as the most polite way of putting it, inaccurate. Absolutely. It's that it's that concept of um, of whispers, isn't it? And and uh, those being sort of, you know, changed and adapted and, uh, you know, escalated upwards, which you want to avoid. You want everybody to understand and have the same message. So, yes, it's really important that we uh, are addressing it. And I think you kind of touched on, you know, the, the research, the longer term consequences that can can be caused if it's not an addressed at an early age. Um, so let's talk on sort of, you know, about the actual project. What kind of characters can we look forward to being featured in uh, in the books? Well, it's a it's a first for the Dog Duck and Cat Trust um, because we're actually using two stories uh, to drive this project forward. We've only ever used one in the past. Um, so the two stories are How Do I See You, which very quickly and very simply for you is a story about our dog, duck, cat and chicken characters. Dog and duck both uh, identifies male, uh, chicken and cat both identifies female. They're out in the playground playing football. Dog and duck love football, but they're a bit like me. They love it, but they're rubbish at it. Whereas cat and chicken are blooming great at it and they're actually in a local team. So again, trying to sort of change that around a little bit. Uh, our weasel character, who is a sort of naughty, nefarious character, sees all this going on and doesn't like it. Doesn't like the fact that two girls are playing football and they're good at it. Doesn't like that at all. So he goes over and starts to come out with some of the things that we might be familiar with a male character, a male individual saying to females. And for the first time again ever, our little cat character, she she holds it together and she's very, you know, sort of measured in her responses until Weasel actually makes a, a direct threat 
realistically towards Chicken. And he essentially says to her that she's smaller than him. So if he wanted to kiss her, he could do so. And at that point, Cat takes no more. She addresses this directly with Weasel because she knows that this, this shouldn't be allowed. So that's our first story. We've attached three lessons to that story as well. Then we have our second story, which is called How Can I Make a Friend, which is pretty much what it says on the tin, Georgie. It's not, it's not kind of a, a sort of dodgy title. It is literally about kind of making friends. It's the dog, duck, cat characters, chicken, weasel, grass snake and toad are in there as well. Plus the class teacher, Mr. Squirrel. And there, it's a rainy day in Farmyard Lane Primary and they're having a conversation about how to make a friend. And they come up with some ideas about what a friend is, how friendships are made, how they're maintained. We have a lesson around that as well. Uh, and then with lessons five and six, we're advising for schools to look at everything the children have learned, put that together and look at them being able to present that back to younger peers, uh, same age peers, maybe some slightly older peers, if, if that would be thought to be appropriate. But also, and very importantly for me, about inviting members of their households in, parents, carers, grannies, grandpas, whoever that that might be connected to that child and who wants to come in and support them. But actually getting those messages to those parents, because as we know, misogyny, sexism, inequality, we're not born with those things. We, we taught those things. And realistically, often children will pick those up from people in their own household. So again, if we can get those adults to start to challenge some of their own thinking, if we can get children to think in the right way. And again, I'm always really careful when I say the right way, but I mean, in a, in a fair and just way, knowing that we're all equal, which is certainly part of the UN contravention of human rights. I think I'm using the right words there. Forgive me if I'm not, please. But again, it really is about making sure that everybody understands that they're equal and making sure that we really do kind of like highlight that and promote that as much as we possibly can with everybody that we come into contact with, not just the children. I think also with the um, the the welcomed diversity sort of challenges that we've seen and and you know that the focus on this this is very timely. Um, there'll be a lot of children that have actually seen the stories and and uh, the news that's been out um, and sadly some of the the things that have happened. So I think this is also very timely to sort of position them to feel. Um, you know, strong and able to sort of stand up and challenge when they're not comfortable with something that when a child's been treated, you know, incorrectly in the classroom or so in the playground and or tell a, tell an adult. So I think that empowerment's really powerful. So you mentioned about the book and also a lesson. Is yeah, is that the kind of resources that are available that um the schools can use? Yeah, so the ERF project, there's two of our electronic books. Uh, there's then all the resources and materials that you would need to essentially deliver all of the lessons and the lesson plans to follow as well. As I say, there are four taught lessons, as I would call them, three relating to the first story, How Do I See You?, which looks at equality, which looks at the idea of being fair, developing empathy. As you mentioned, it's about reporting things on for ourselves, but often we may not report things on for ourselves, but we may well report something on for somebody else. So again, if we see a friend in need, let's be a good friend and let, let's let's get our friend in need that little bit of help and support. We've then obviously got the, the two lessons that we're talking about in terms of we want the schools to kind of prepare something for presentation and deliver as well, uh, which again, I think is quite important. That's something that, again, we really feel is, is, is a is an aid to make this memorable. If a child is articulating these things for themselves, then they are much more likely to retain this information. And and again, I'm going to say this and I kind of, you know, ask, beg your forgiveness for saying this. We have to be conscious that Ofsted are in our world. They, they are 
around us. I've been very fortunate to be able conversations with some offset inspectors about the sorts of things that they're looking for. And really, I mean, I know that you all know this because you're all schools, but the reality is, is that if we can ensure, ensure that our children are able to talk about these subjects from a base of knowledge and understanding and truly understand what they're talking about, fantastic for them, fantastic for us when Ofsted come a knocking. But what we've also done is that we've also aligned each one of the lesson plans to the RSHE curriculum so that when you then want to start to map what resources you're using in terms of what it's covering as part of these new statutory curriculum issues, then you've got that information at your disposal. You haven't got to try and think to yourself, well, I'm going to second, is it meeting this? Is it meeting that? This is what we're saying. It's meeting and we can back that up by the fact that we've developed this with an educational consultant. We've run this through all of the school processes that we possibly can. So again, piloting directly with the children, taking this into, you know, sort of city management meetings, doing all the bits and bobs that we need to do. And what we've been told is, yep, this is what it meets. This is the RSHE curriculum point that it meets. So again, trying to make things as easy as possible for anyone delivering these resources. If we're going to talk about subjects that people might find challenging, if we're going to talk about subjects that might be a little bit contentious, Let's try and make that process as easy as humanly possible for everybody and let's make it as impactful as possible for the children, for us as professionals, but also for our school communities as a whole when we are inspected by Ofsted so that they can see the quality work that we're doing, so that they can truly understand that we are hitting these issues head on and trying to deal with these things as proactively as we possibly can. Again, a very powerful statement about making an impact there. Thank you very much, John. And I know you mentioned that you've been working with sort of key partners and who've supported you. Did you want to sort of just give them a shout out about who's been helping you and getting involved in this project? Yeah, I mean, it's it's I've got to say, I mean, it, it's been amazing. It really has. Uh, you know, it was it's a difficult kind of subject area. So we've, we've worked with um, and again, I'm going to mention people by name, if that's OK, Georgie. So Absolutely. I promise you Go I'll do for it, it. Quick no, as no, I possibly can. But. There's Tom Garner over at Fairhaven Primary in Dudley. There's Davina Classy over at Old Church Primary in Warsaw. Lucy Evans and Zoe Russell from Claregate Primary in Wolverhampton. And then we've got Jenny Atkinson and Julie Good from Ruden Primary in Sandwell. And those are our primary school partners that have helped us develop this, have piloted those resources for us and given all this that feedback. We've worked with uh, Matt langeski Gandhi over at West Midlands Police, Dr Fraser Heritage and Dr Natasha Pope from Birmingham City Uni. Viv Brosnan over at Coventry City Council. Maria Huffer, um, who is the lead for the Protective Behaviours Consortium. Michelle Diaz is an independent sexual health consultant. Pat Flynn that works for Online Behaviours based over in Wolverhampton. And then Russell Stanley, who is our long-standing independent PSHE education consultant. And on our little ERF button uh, that we've got on our homepage, those folks are all kind of mentioned as well. And realistically, Georgie, the resource would nowhere near be as good if it wasn't for that partnership work. As I say, as, as a qualified therapist, as a member of the British Association of Counselling and Psychotherapy, great, I've got a skill set, but I'm not the be all and end all of everything and I certainly don't know everything. So when we first started putting this resource together, the, the folks that I've just kind of said to you and described to you, those are the people that, that knew their onions. They really do know what they're talking about and those are the folks that we really wanted to get involved because, as I say, it's about making the resource as, as successful as it can possibly be, as impactful as it can possibly be and ensuring it meets its blooming outcomes. As I say, for someone that's delivered in schools many times, thousands of times over the years, picking up a lesson plan, picking up a lesson and looking at it and thinking, well, I don't go together with that. That's the most tenuous outcome I think you could ever wish for. I, I want to make sure that if we're saying it, 
then it's doing it. Again, ensuring that these are fit for purpose and actually really do meet the criteria and they're not just a, I don't know, putting it in the nicest way I can, a tokenistic gesture, something to tick a box. We're not interested in ticking boxes. We're interested in trying to keep people safe. We're also interested in trying to support the professionals that are working with the children because it's a blooming hard job. So as I say, that that's the goal that we're trying to achieve here, making sure those outcomes are met. And, and I can wholeheartedly say that the ERF project certainly does that. So uh, huge congratulations for everybody that's been involved in it. Um, so finally, how can people get involved and find out more? Well, this one's quite a nice, easy one, to be honest with you. The Dog, Duck and Cat website, dogduckandcat.co.uk. On our homepage, we have a green button on the left hand side called ERF project. If you click on that, gives you a little blurb, tells you a little bit about where we've come from, where it's come from. Um, and then essentially you've got three links. So if you're a teacher and you've already got our login details, you click it and you're in straight away. If you're a parent carer or guardian, because what we also do is just to mention every resource that we create for use in schools, we also create for use at home. So as school, what you can do is, is that you can promote the fact that you are doing this work, but give a direct link to the exact same work essentially modified for use by parents, carers and guardians in the home. So actually the learning can go from the front room into the classroom and backwards and forwards. And the idea is if we're all supporting each other, our children get these consistent messages. Um, if you don't have a login, um, then essentially you can get one. Now, what we ask is because we're a charity, we do ask for a little donation. We ask for a minimum £200 if you've got more brilliant, but £200 is fine. We've got over 20 resources now to be used in school. Um, and of course, all of our parent care and guardian uh, resources as well that can be promoted out to all of the people cohort that you've got in your school. Plainly and simply, if you tell me that you want to get involved, um, as soon as we've worked out how you're going to do that, by check or by back transfer, I give you all the login details and you are ready to rock and roll straight away. Everything's online. What that does then is it makes it easier for essentially people to access it as and when they want to it means that if something changes we can make those changes and it doesn't affect the overall integrity of the resource but it also means there's no delay if you have identified a need in your school if you've identified a need in your organization if you've identified a need with a child that you're working with you haven't got to wait for the books to arrive you haven't got to wait for something to come in the post you literally can log in straight away and start to address these issues so again we found that by far the easiest way for people to be able to access and again doing what we always do and listening to our school's partners that's what they've really told us that they want so yeah really easy way to get involved Thank you so much, John, for sharing with us today and inspiring us. Your energy is, is I wish I could bottle it and uh, capture it every day. So it's really, really always a pleasure. Oh, and you, I, Georgie, thank you. That's OK. And, and I really hope that we can have some further conversations and, and feature some of the other sort of areas that you've you've mentioned in uh, the previous podcast around sort of, um, you know, mental health and well-being and also sort of bereavement as well for educating our children. Um, thoroughly enjoyed our discussions and we will also be sharing via the Thirsty Scholars platform a link to um, the Dog, Duck and Cat Trust um, areas so that you can find out more about the different projects that John and uh, his supporters are championing but I hope you would agree that it's been a very worthwhile discussion. Next week, we'll be focusing on Stephen Covey's Seven Habits for Success, and we're going to start taking a focus around uh, education on how we can use his strategies to support us in our day-to-day -day lives as well. 
You can pick up our After the Bell podcast, which are released on a weekly basis and provide quick tips and discussions with our experts around all things education or child safeguarding. And hopefully you can access those on your daily commute if you're still doing one of those or while you're having a cup of coffee or on your treadmill. Again, I hope that everyone has a a great weekend. Let's look out for everybody and uh, keep safe.